I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Came to me there. Newspaper industry, the news industry. It's quite unique in one aspect. That I could pick... Um, Doing it just now, I suppose you could argue that um, if I've got a guest and somebody Googles that guest to look for information in that guest, then I could pop up as much a chance to Google as the Herald, the Sun, mm-hmm. the Daily Record. So I suppose uh, even I'm guilt, guilty of it. Guilty is not, nobody's guilty of it. It's just uh, the way things transpired. So anybody in this day and age, and I mean literally anybody with an iPhone, can be competition and put something out that competes with your industry. Mm-hmm. There's not, I don't think, I can't think off the top of my head of another single industry where that is actually true because the guy that made our headphones, you and I could not start, you know, going competition with him, mm-hmm. the microphone guy, you know, it would just be ridiculous. I whether, I whether you're selling cars or you're, whether you're selling cars or you're, or you're selling cakes or loaf of bread or juice, you mm-hmm. can't just go and start up and suddenly start competing with Ambrew. Mm-hmm. You can't go and start up and start selling as many pastries as Greg's do. Well, well, you could, but it would take a lot of time and it would take a lot of money mm-hmm. to go from selling cars to selling cakes. Mm-hmm. But if you've got an iPhone, which 99.9% of the population have got, or Androids, other phones are available. But you could put something, you know, mm-hmm. the quality might not be, you know, maybe questionable, but instantly compete against a guy who's been doing it for 15, 20 years. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. And it's one of the, it's one of the challenges that we face. It's one of the things why we, we have to say, if again, if, if you look from a, a Rangers Review perspective, we have to try and sell it to people of why, why are we better? Why, why are we ahead of the competition? What are we offering you as a subscriber that's worth paying for? Mm-hmm. We're asking you to pay, I have got an offer on just now, why, why is it worth £12? Now £12 over 12 months, doesn't seem a lot, but the more people do it, the more we can then invest in equipment, the more we can then invest in further members of staff, we can make the website better. But as you say, MD could say, well, I fancy being the Rangers Review, I fancy taking taking them on, I can go to games and do match reports, I could do some of the video stuff they do, I could launch a podcast and do it from a, do it from the house, Chris does it for his house, why can I do it from my house? So that 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 level of competition has never been as, has never been as fierce. And it's up for whether it's the Herald of the newspaper or um, somebody as a broadcaster or for us as a, as a website, we have to offer people something that's worth paying for. And I think that level of professionalism is, is one of them. You know that anything we put out, it's done by experienced guys, it's been sourced, it's been checked, we're not just putting something out. I think that's always one of the things that strikes me with like social media. If you put something out and you get it wrong, doesn't make any difference. People will forget it. If I put out a transfer rumour and say Rangers are definitely signing him at lunchtime tomorrow and he goes and he signs for a team down south, 
that's then cast up to me six months down the line, 18 months down the line. Um, and that I think that's one of the differences between the rise of fan media and the the pressures that professional or the more mainstream media are under. What we say still carries still carries weight. And that's not to say that bloggers and podcasters and other doesn't. I think people still look at us in a in a different way. And that's and that's a good thing because they should do because there is a, a level of professionalism, there's a, a level of pride in, in our product that should be there. Um and we, we want to put out the best that's possible. We want to put out the best videos, do the best match reports, do the best interviews and best analysis. Um, and pe- people should hold us to a higher standard because we hold ourselves to that standard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, fair point. Um, but this is a bizarre podcast because, and this is what happens, but I don't come into my podcasts and have a script. I sometimes have two or three notes that I want to go with a conversation, but I generally just come in and we start talking about somebody. And the idea behind the podcast is to get to know what's behind that person. I mean, your name your face, your picture will be known to probably everybody that tunes in and watches us. Mm-hmm. Why would they not tune in and look at my face? And it, this whole podcast is about getting, you know, what drives them, getting to know about them, but we've spent nearly an hour talking about the industry, so I do apologise, but we've just went off in one, and that, that again is just an interesting part of what we're doing with us, uh, talk to people and, you know, conversations go and people might find that interesting or they might not, I hope they do. But to take you back into the, the Chris um, um, part of the, the podcast, uh, and that was a fascinating conversation, by the way, just does discussing you know, media and where it might or might not end up. Hope people find it interesting. But you going back to this 2008 um, time um, at the Herald, and it, it went on for a year just you turning up and, mm-hmm. you know, brass necking it, basically. At that time... You would have had a first time. Would have went taking you to Ibrox or taking you to the Rangers training ground. And as a Rangers fan, you're you know quite happy to declare that. How did that feel? That um, f- first press conference, I can't actually remember. Uh, I know my first old firm game was the Yelovich Cup final. Uh, the first game I ever did for the Herald um, was Alawa against Clyde. I think uh, can't remember. Nobody asked me the score because I don't know. Uh, but it's a, that, that first time driving in through the gates of Ockenhow, I can't actually remember that one. I know Walter would have been the manager. The media conferences actually used to be held um, up beside the manager's office. So for those that don't know Ockenhow, you get in through the academy entrance, go through the corridors, um, and then round the Kiratunda type bit, and there's stairs that take you up. So the manager's office is there. And then used to be an analysis room beside the, beside the canteen. So that's where all the press conferences, if the daily guys were, the Sunday guys were in a, in a separate room. So you are just sitting in this room with the guys from your own from your own desk that you know, well, like faces from other papers that you've got no, you know their you know their byline, you know roughly who they are. But you're almost every week you're then meeting fresh faces. Uh, some guys you might see two or three times in space a couple of weeks. It could take you weeks before you then get to like meet somebody else for the if a second time. And it's just about getting yourself within that. People can talk about the press pack. It's about getting yourself self-known, getting yourself trusted is, is one of the biggest things. So guys have to know that you'll, one, you'll ask proper questions and, and you're not um, going to take the take the interview off, off on a tangent that's of, of, of uh, it can no use to them. But also know that, that you'll, you'll chip in, you'll, you'll do your share of the coach and that you'll adhere to the embargo. So there's a lot of aspects of it that it's about building trust, not just in your own desk. They're trusting you to go up and ask the right questions and to be able to ride to a certain standard on, on deadline uh, to a certain length. Your desk are trusting you to go and do that. But winning the trust of guys at other papers, other organisations, is almost just as important because you, over the course of your career, you will need these guys. Uh, so the guys that I met on those first couple of um, trips up to Hockenheimie or the guys that I met in the first couple of games that I ever did, they're still colleagues, and many of them are now friends. What are we? Fourteen, fifteen years on. It's a, it's a long time to have to have those relationships, and those relationships, a number of cases, have really gone from strength to strength. And it goes back to those early days. If if they make it, it's almost like a player. If you see a player and you don't fancy him, and you think, nah, he's just he's just not up to it. It's a long way to then win win yourself back around. How many players have we seen being written off early on? And they can't win themselves back around in the eyes of the fans, and that's it's almost the same type of thing. You have to be, 
you have to be trusted in, in the environment. Um, and if if you get that early on, say the the game and the and the business, then no, I just can take it on. I can, and I will win from there. Well, you, 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 first question I asked you was about your you know your stand life and, and whatever. And you declared very early on in this conversation, you were at Seville Rangers fan, all the rest of it. And that's something that I've had an issue with for a, in my head for a few years now. You are a guy that works as a journalist in sport, and is specifically, although maybe not always the case, always the time, but specifically football. In the west of Scotland, that normally forbids you to have any declaration of faith to either Rangers or Celtic, which I find a bit bizarre, because if you are a journalist or a referee, you're probably doing those jobs because you've already had a passion for football mm-hmm. in the first place. And to actually expect the people doing those jobs to have no feelings towards any of the biggest two clubs in Scotland if they were brought up in the west of Scotland is mental. But, you know, you, you, you're not hiding the fact. When did you make that decision that you were comfortable with people just, you know, accept or don't accept that I'm actually a Rangers fan? In terms of like, the press pack, or in, t- in terms well, of that, I suppose there's two there. Right? There's when would you, you know, is it, is it a thing with the press? You don't want to even know where your allegiances lie. But I think even more important and a bigger mm-hmm. impact in your life might be the public. In terms of press pack, I don't think there was ever a, a moment of a, I, I can't tell anybody who to support because, as, as I say, when you go into these situations, if, if the presser, for example, is at one o'clock, you're at the training ground half an hour before, you've got a lot of time. We've we spent hours and hours of, of our lives sitting in meeting rooms, waiting on people coming to speak to us. There's also the conversation then goes on about games, about life, about trips, whatever. So it's these type of things are always going to come up. And if you're one of the new guys, again, I've seen it over the last few years, like work experience guys come in, then you say, oh, this is so-and-so. He's in a work experience with the Herald. One of the first questions will be, what team do you support, we man? No, and it's just that, that's any that, workplace, that, isn't that, 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 that's just a workplace. That's just industry. And if he says Rangers or he says Celtic, it doesn't make any difference to how he's then going to be like treated by everybody else. I say there's 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 guys who are who are from different sides of the of the divide. Get on great, go on trips together, have been at each other's weddings, are best friends. It doesn't make any difference. It's just like any other workplace, any other industry. But for some reason, when it comes to Scottish football, it's such a polarising thing. Um, you actually mentioned something earlier on, Craig, about the guys that can be or journalists that are unfriendly to the club or don't don't read him or hates the club and it's people then get like kind of put into a put into a bracket, whether it's right or wrong, and, and they lump everyone together. So there, there was a stage where Rangers fans it was all press are bad. Well that's that's not the case. There are there are perhaps guys who are no fans of the club. Well there's guys that are fans of the club, but they were all, all lumped in with a all lumped in one bracket. People will support Rangers, people will support Celtic, they'll support Motherwell, they'll support Kelly. And as as you say, you can't be as involved, you can't be as invested in in journalism and do do the job and put in the hours if you don't like football. If you there's no nobody in the business that's doing this and there's a massive rugby fan and they completely hate Scottish football. Because if you did hate Scottish football, you just couldn't do the job. It's impossible to it's impossible to do. And I've never really got the thing of, oh, he he supports he supports him, therefore he's bad. People can support a different team and still do the job professionally and honestly and properly. And many many guys do. Not everyone that writes about Rangers supports Rangers. There's a number of us that do, a number of us that don't, but the, the guys that don't are just as invested in the job as like say myself or or someone else. So I've never really had the thing of I need to need to hide it from the rest of the press guys um because it'll put me in a certain bracket ever. Um I've had the nickname of Union for a long time now. It's not uh, it's not that hard to understand why. <laughs> but again it's that's how people just people just know me now and it's it's not a and the people the people uh, people like clubs that that know me as that, and it's not, it's not a case of well, we can't speak to him because he's a Rangers fan, or we can't deal with him because he's a Rangers fan. If you do the job properly and you do it honestly and do it professionally, you should be able to deal with whoever, regardless of what club it is, or they should be able to deal with you, regardless of what club you actually support. But why? And it's refreshing, by the way. Just somebody is just sit and go support Rangers. Doesn't stop me being a journalist, and it's just now your job is uniquely. T- 
you know, about Rangers, mm-hmm. but for a long time, even at the Herald, that was mm-hmm. similar. But you would, you know, you would cover other sports sometimes, you'd cover other games, and nobody knows if it's going to happen in the future. But it doesn't mean you're incapable of covering any other team. So why are you find it so comfortable with just saying, well, I'm a Rangers fan, and probably 90% of your um, fellow journalists are so uncomfortable with it? I don't, I don't really know, to be honest. I don't, I've never understood this thing of, well, I need to like hide, hide her support. As I say, if you're, if you're in, in the business, you have to be invested in Scottish football. If you're invested in Scottish football, you're going to have a team. Everybody's got a team. So I, I don't get why you'd have to hide who, as I've, nobody's ever asked me that question of, who do you support, son? And I've said, Patrick Thistle. Because, well, because I don't. That's something that I found bizarre. I remember in my youth, finding it very, very odd that, Statistically, probably in the west of Scotland, if you're a football fan, it's a probably a 90% chance that you support Rangers or Celtic. That, you know, if that figure's wrong, it'll not be far wrong, right? But 90% of the people that were on TV or in newspapers supported either St Murn or Party Thistle. And you're like, how's that? How'd that work? I've, I've, Who stopped I've, the Rangers and Celtic fans working in the, <laughs> the press? I've, I've seen the crowds at Far Hill. They're not, not that big. I've, I've done enough games in my time at Far Hill to know... <laughs> <laughs> they're not always that big. Um, I said I've, I've never really understood that kind of hesitancy to to say. Like, uh, one, I'm a football fan. Two, I'm a football journalist. And over and above that, yes, I'm a Rangers fan. Yeah. I, I don't really see what the yeah. I don't really yeah. see what the problem with that is. And I think perversely, I'm I'm also not advocating for a stipulation that everybody must declare. I think mm-hmm. that notion a bit ridiculous. There's some people saying that about referees. Um, and I'm, so what I'm trying to say is, if a referee wants to come out and say he supports whoever he supports, that's done to him. Mm-hmm. If he doesn't really think it's a big issue and never wants to talk about it, then that equally, that is fine. You know, but if a referee is into a Rangers pub or a Celtic pub, it kind of points in the right direction. But mm-hmm. if he doesn't want to come out and just basically say, I'm a Rangers fan, I'm a Celtic fan, kind of understand that as well. So I'm not advocating, by the way, that every journalist and I'd be asked to sign a waiver and declare it before the. Aye, well, no, I know we're not going to put a wee star of David on some people, and you know, to define them for the rest of their life and everything they do. But I just, I just find it refreshing. Um, right on, and you know, five minutes into the podcast, you're like, oh, I'm Rangers fan, I went to Seville, and I'm like, that's no what uh, journalists do. But in saying that, there must be sometimes in your job where. You've been in situations where you've been interviewing somebody or in the presence of somebody and you've just been, oh, that's such and such, and been in awe of them. What situations is that? When what such types of situations that arose, Chris, if that has? It's not very often I've actually been starstruck. I think the first time the first time you see someone like that, those first couple of do, um, pressers doing, doing Walter, um, yeah. obviously special, Eventually, after a while, it just becomes Walter, yep. um, and that's that's me who didn't didn't know him that well. And the guys who have been on trips with him, guys who have been on nights out with him, guys who have known him, uh, who had known him for many many years, and considered him a, a close friend. That was just a, a wonderful relationship for those guys to have. I can't think of him, but I've really been like starstruck by Sunus. Always stands out. I did did Sunus at Hamden one day. Um, it was up for a, a PR thing ahead of a Scotland game or a maybe a. Rangers Celtic semi-final affair, I can't remember. And I was just really struck by the way that he that he spoke and he had that kind of like command of the room. It was a huge, huge big um room at Hamden, maybe only eight guys sitting around about a table, and soon as then comes in and sits down and he just had that kind of aura about him that you expect. Gerard had that as well. The first couple of times dealing with Gerard, you think now this this guy's got something a bit different. But I can't really think of anybody that's coming after thought, I can't speak to you, I can't ask you a question because you are you are X because again, you're there to do a job. You're not there to get autographs or get pictures or to, to fanboy people. You're there to ask them, to ask them questions, and then do your and then do your stuff afterwards. So I've been impressed by people. So as soon as stands out, um, and in terms of that particular presser, Walter obviously guys like McCoy are obviously just great great company to be around. Um, and it is quite cool if you like. Now you're you're now if I go to a game. You'll see McCoy's I come up and chat. Um and ha- having these having these relationships with people who as kids, you were just like that's idol type stuff. You 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 grew up watching Walter's teams, you grew up watching Coyce score goals, now you're actually getting to speak to them. But I think that again that professionalism kicks in and you're there to 
there to do a job. Um, but that's not to say that you can't be impressed by individuals. I say Walter McCoyst, Sunis definitely stand out from a, a Rangers uh, legend perspective. Um, in the first wee while that we dealt with Gerard, he was a really impressive character as well. Even in terms of someone like Gerard, the first couple of times he dealt with him, um, I was on his first pre-season, um, and it was it was great to deal with. He had again, he had that had that stature, had that had that aura about him when he walked into a room and the way that he answered questions. But after a while, he just became Stephen Gerrard, Rangers manager, not Stephen Gerrard, Liverpool legend, Rangers um, England captain, all the rest of it. And eventually, he knew who you were, and he, 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 he had that had that bond with him. So I think over, over time, that kind of all factor, I feel like, certainly uh, certainly diminishes. Um, as I think through through all of them, you know you're there to do a job. They know that you're there to do a job. So it's not the time for it's not the time for selfies and autographs. Yeah. I think if you get to a certain level with them, um, so whether it be former players or managers, once you are have that relationship and you're friendly. Say you're doing a charity doing, you went to a shop sign, you could say, like, by the way, could you go and sign that for us? And because you didn't have that relationship, it'd be no bother at all. You wouldn't walk into your first press conference and say, by the way, Stephen, I'm a big fan, could you go and sign that for me? Because <laughs> that then puts a, an, in his mind, it puts a negative slant on, on you. It's like, well, who's, who's this wee guy? I'm, I'm, I'm here as Rangers manager. This is meant to be a professional environment. I'm, I'm meant to be asking questions or answering questions, sorry, from professional working people not guys who are just here for selfies. Um, and he, he actually sorry, he actually had that quite a lot the first couple of seasons in, in Europe. The number of pressers we went to, like Macedonia and some of the uh, some of the trips, and those guys just in the audience or in the audience audience is the wrong word. In the in the press conference, guys just there to say I sat in the same room with Stephen Gerrard or asked Gerard a question. And guys would go up to him, or oh, Stephen, can can you sign that? Or can I get a picture? Or can you can you phone my mum? <laughs> it's like these things are just daft. It's, it's, a, it's meant to be a professional yeah, environment. Yeah. And to fair to Gerard, he handled the whole thing really, really well. Everywhere he went, he was signing shirts and he was taking pictures because he knew that the, the one time he said no, that then goes viral on social media and it made him look bad. And, and the way that he, the way that he dealt with like being Stephen Gerrard was really impressive. And we almost then felt a bit more at ease. So he would do the local press, and it would be a bit more fanboy type stuff and then maybe coming to us in a week or other and you could just see him relaxing because he knew that wasn't that wasn't what we were there for we were just there to talk about Rangers and talk about the game um, so I think that that aspect of it I think the Scottish press thankfully there's a lot less of that we, we don't really do that we don't really have that culture over here and it's been really interesting going on some of the trips and seeing how other media um, press packs I feel like do deal with guys that have that have that stature, and so th- thankfully it's not something that we do. Because if you did, there's there's plenty uh, plenty of old timers around about that would be quick to give you a, a slap in the back of the head and uh, bring you down a peg or two. So you're suggesting the Scottish media's moved on since the Jim White days of why are you so good, Brian? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I've ever asked that particular question myself. Depend depending how this season goes, I might ask it to the manager. You never know. Uh, no, I think it's, it's it's not something that I've seen. Can't remember if I've actually seen it in a, in a Scottish press cringy. conference. There's nobody, as, as you say, it's just cringy. It's not. It's not why we're there. It's not. It's not professional, um, and it's not something that I've uh, that I've seen in, in a Scottish press pack, thankfully. So, you, is there anybody that you've went in and, and started a relationship, professional relationship with, that you've been surprised at how nice they are? Surprised at how nice they are. Or maybe somebody that you've went in and think, God, oh, they're going to be a bit hard, they're going to be tough to deal with, and you'd, they've just been crying? Um, probably not from a manager-player perspective. Uh, I'll, I'll mention Jim Trainer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you'll thank me for mentioning him, but I, I, people had a people had a, perhaps the idea of Jim being um, hard, hard to work for, hard, hard to work with. Uh, but during, during his time as, as PR at Rangers, I got on with him great, still speak to him now. Um, and I think he, he's, if, if you're looking for someone that surprised me, I'll, I'll, I'll probably say Jim, I think people had this idea of just an angry wee man and not, not nice to deal with, and wouldn't pick up the phone and be really, I said, really hard to work with and work for. I know people have had that experience with him, but anytime I've dealt with him, he's just been, he's been a gentleman, really, really good to work with and thankfully got on with him great. So I can't think of a manager or a player um, Rangers managers, and I say Walter was great, Coisty was Coisty, Cassinia was obviously whatever he was, and I was just a bit, I was just a bit daft. Um, Surreal. 
Warburton, I think, on with overly, overly well to particularly enjoy that. Uh, oh. uh, from from weird because him him mostly been my like first first manager that I dealt with mm. regularly. So rather than being like, can you go and do the model presser today, or can you go and do Rangers? As soon as he came in and that changing happened, I was in on uh, pre season in uh, Charleston with him, and during, during that whole spell, it, it, it was me that was doing every presser, every game, every interview, every every day's coverage of Rangers. It was me. Didn't go on well with Warburton. Didn't particularly. I, I don't think he liked me. Um, I said, didn't overly enjoy that particular working relationship. Everybody else since then, and there's also been a couple since then. Um, Gio was great. Um, Bill was good in his own his own way because he obviously spoke and spoke and spoke, uh, and you were never short of, and never short of words. Clement, I've been really impressed by. I, I, if you're looking for someone to be surprised by, I I perhaps put him in there. Um, because what, what had come from Belgium when it was obvious he was getting the job, was to speak to guys over there. Now, what's what's he like? Is he going to be chatty? Is he going to say nothing? I think so far he's not. Doesn't speak in headlines. He doesn't speak in riddles or there's no like bullshit there. To, to be honest, it's, it's straightforward. But it's good in that way because you know if you ask a silly question, he'll let you know you've asked it. A bit like Gerard in that regard. If you ask him something. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Daft. And it was answered in a way that he didn't obviously approve of. He's like, well, that's it. Became evident that he was unimpressed by the level of the level of question. But that was your fault for asking something, asking something silly. Um, I think Clement's got that about him as well. He's got a certain stature, a certain way of uh, we are dealing with the press guys. It's been really impressive so far. Um, so I didn't really know what to expect. Didn't have huge expectations for ever him coming in just from what we've heard. Thought he might be a bit reserved and quite kind of straight back. He does have that side to him, but I think there's a number of things he said that have been really interesting. So I've, I've been pleasantly surprised by him. May that continue. Uh, you, you were saying about Warburton. Um, that surprises me because I did meet him a couple of times and forgetting about you know what happened to end his career because that's there's a big grey area over that. And I try to ask Paul Murray about that and he. Didn't really want to go down that road, which is fine. I totally respect that. So it's a grey area as to you know what happened in India, but up until that point, I bumped into him two or three occasions, and he just he seemed like a nice enough guy. And <laughs> I doesn't uh, Paul Murray, I would, would, I would imagine, would have a bigger insight of what mm-hmm. actually happened in URI, and that, that's just matter of fact. And if Paul decides that he does something he's not comfortable or doesn't want to, I've got to appreciate, I've got to appreciate that, and I've got to um, respect that, but. That time was there was two totally distinct stories came out. Rangers were adamant he had resigned, and the wee grey area had been had he actually resigned or had his agent resigned on his behalf. And Warburton, even to this day, I saw a podcast recently as this month mm-hmm. where he's saying I did not resign for Rangers. Now that's not even close. You know, there's a hundred and eighty <laughs> degrees of difference there. It's not something where you, you know you can figure out where the common mm-hmm. ground is. There is no common ground here. He either did or he didn't resign, and mm-hmm. the two parties are saying completely opposite things. What's your understanding of that debacle? Uh, different from Mark Warburton's uh, version of events, but I heard about Nottingham Forest. There was a press conference, I think it must be on a Friday, I can't remember what the game was. Press are on the, on the Friday, up to the training ground as usual, sitting in one of the meeting rooms, just waiting on them coming in. Uh, and I got told beforehand about the Forest interest. Um, asked him about it, and of course they knocked, knocked the whole thing down, wanted to know why I was asking the question, uh, wanted to know who told me, oh, I'm not going to tell you that, obviously. Um, and then within hours, 
he's no longer Rangers manager. And so the, the truth was, as you say, it can't be somewhere in the middle. It's either this side or it's this side. So, um, so I'm, I'm not a journalist. I never pretend to be. Never, um, maybe if, I don't know if, if I know now and then, but I know now it might have been a career that I'd considered as a uh, younger because I spent I'm 50 now and I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up. Um, but I knew with the limited contacts I've got, that he'd been at other clubs and, and down south mm-hmm. for interviews and didn't get the jobs. And, you know, I, I'm going, well, there's something going on. And I have no reason whatsoever to doubt the source that I got. And it wasn't a journalist. Um, it was someone within football. And that's me, Craig Houston. No, me, Craig Houston, journalist. That's mm-hmm. 20, you know, 15, 20 years um, experience, 40 years like some of your guys that you're working with. And I just found the whole thing bizarre. <laughs> that I'm like, no, I'm, not, I'm not surprised, you know. Um, so you, you reckon Warburton's side of the story is probably further for the truth than, than the club's in? I said it becomes it's probably going to be one of these ones nobody will ever have the definitive account because guys obviously you've, you've had Paul on guys that were at the club by that time it's not really worth their while dragging it up it's interesting that Warburton is still telling his side, side of it and it's still I say even just in the last couple of weeks it's still sticking to his story and that, that's fine if, if that's how, how he um, says that it unfolded fine no, nobody can nobody can disprove him um, but other people also have a different, a different chain of events, and o- overall, it, it just wasn't really a, a Rangers manager that I, that I warmed to. Um, and a couple of conversations with people close to him afterwards kind of severed my, um, severed my thinking of 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 him as well. So I mean, I, I, I wasn't sad to see him leave, put it that way. Yeah. Um, I, I think it was probably, I think if regardless of the circumstances and how how it unfolded and whose whose side of the story is true. Um, I, I don't think it was a bad a bad thing that Warburton left at that at that, at that time. time. I think I think it was probably the right thing for the right thing for all parties. Yeah. No. Um. Listen. I, I'm, I'm sad to hear you didn't get on with him because I think as a person, um, and you, you, you know, success at Rangers manager or the stuff when he left, regardless of all that, I find him. I'd love to get him on the podcast, and if you're part of him, it'd have been great because the next thing I'd ask you as soon as we had stop, would be going to get my phone. And the reason is, what you get him on in spend an hour talking about did you wrap it did you just you know wrap it or whatever did your agent wrap it for you that would be a question obviously mm-hmm. you couldn't have for more but on and no ask him but i find his career quite bizarre and interesting that he went from zero you know football background and just decided one day having quite a good job in the city mm-hmm. and quite a good remuneration package i'm going to become a football coach that to me is very interesting and he's a type of uh, guests that I would love to interview because that's what I was saying earlier about this podcast. I might get behind. Would mm-hmm. you wake up one morning and say, I'm not going to be a city trader anymore? I'm going to be a football You know, I find that part of him fascinating. And I've watched a couple of podcasts, maybe three, that he's done since he's left Rangers. And they all ask him about this you know, transition from city slicker mm-hmm. to tracksuit coach. But I don't think they went deep enough. And it's just, I would love to spend an hour with him. Um, and uh, you're watching. <laughs> um, I just, you know, I would be an interest in getting, yes, you would need to ask him what happened at the end and get his version again. And maybe, you know, a couple of follow-up questions. But, you know, to spend the rest of the podcast talking about those sort of things. I think it's just it's just one of those, uh, uh, there can't be many football managers that you've came across with that, with that background. I think it does show that there's no set route to become football manager these days now and in years gone by it was former player hangs up his boots does his badges become becomes a manager either does management or he becomes ah, a mr struth well <laughs> going going back slightly further than times it's mr struth but <laughs> um, generally that was the route that managers yeah. came through it was former it was former players um but you've now seen like some michael beale just woke up one morning realized he wasn't going to be a football player was going to go coaching Warburton woke up one morning don't want to be a city trader anymore I want to be a football coach ultimately I want to be a football manager and also shows I think that the difference between being a very good coach and being a successful manager managers have that 
X factor. Managers have that something different. They've got that. I've got that personality trait. It's not just a case of being able to put on a very good training session. It's the it's the man management that comes into it at a club at Rangers. It's having the it's having the stature. It's having the, the mentality. Being able to if there's guys like me writing bad things about you, brushing it off. It's easy to say, "Oh, we don't listen to the outside noise," whereas really you do. And it's a it's a, a case of can can you have the entire package? It takes the entire package. To be a successful Rangers manager. Now, there's been enough people far more qualified and far more experienced in, in the game than me that have said Warburton was a really good coach. Michael Beale, everybody spoke about Michael Beale's coaching in terms of sessions that he could put on, didn't translate into becoming a successful Rangers manager. I think there's also something in that. What makes a very good coach, which these guys are, to get to the level that they are and, and what they've done, and what's what's the bit that's missing from them? What's Michael Beale missing in terms of being a Rangers manager? What did Warburton miss? In terms of being a Rangers manager, what have other, what then sets them apart from a McLeish or a Gerard or someone that just got that, got that X factor? I think it's just a personality thing. It's that, it's, it's man management. It's having that, having that gravitas and being able to to take people, take people with you. Because um, in and in, this, in every industry, if you don't like the guy you're working for, you're not going to put your, you're no. not going to put all of it into it. Man management is, I think, a, an overlooked thing in, in the game. It's fine being able to put on. Got on a session, but you put on again. You put on far more coaching sessions than, than I've ever done. But you, yeah. you could go and read coaching manuals and say, "We'll put the cones there, and we'll tell them to do that." That's yeah. a very different thing from being a football manager and being in charge of a squad, and certainly being in charge of a club like Rangers. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. And it was something similar. Um, Andy Gorham spent eighteen months coaching mm-hmm. our kids at Sons of Truth before he unfortunately passed away. And somebody was like that said to me after a couple of sessions, Andy Gorham like coaching Rangers. I went, Andy Gorham's amazing. And I and, he, and I said that several times then, and I've said it several times. Well, Andy Gorham shouldn't coach in football uh, goalkeepers at a far higher level than your kids' football team. Um and no disrespect to uh, uh, we've got a guy Jamie who's doing our goalie coaching, does um, great coach. And no disrespect to guys like him and the other uh, Smitty that does Rangers or these good coaches, good goalkeeping coaches the, you can google a goalkeeping session and it'll show you where to put the cones and where to put the balls mm-hmm. and have a drill right now arguably coaches will get better drills now but you that part of being a coach whether it's goalkeeper or outfield players you can resource that on the internet but see when andy Gorham would stop the goalkeeper and say listen son see if you do this mm-hmm. a 600 games experience he's talking about that it was just phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, coaching anybody can coach because there's enough resource out there. To, you know, you, you could pick up a bag of cones and a bag of balls and go and take a half hour session. You could plan it easy enough. But that it's not just as simple as that. Mm-hmm. Doesn't it bring success? And the difference between doing that and what Michael Beale and uh, Orbitons and all these other, you know, it's totally different, mm-hmm. right? But it can be done. But yeah, you're right. So I think the experience is the X factor for folk like Gerard and stuff like that. And the experience of managing people is the X factor for people at Bill Struth, mm-hmm. for people at Walter Smith. That's what the difference is. Um, so that's pretty interesting. Going back to, um, you, you, you've touched on trips abroad, going to some odd places, especially in the early years of Europe with, with, with Gerard. I was, I was that foot soldier. Um, what's the most bizarre situation you've encountered on your trips across predominantly Europe with your job? Um, the most bizarre trip was probably Ufa. It was like a the land that time forgot. <laughs> if, if you if you to ask somebody, what do you think deepest darkest Russia is like? Write a list. That that was basically it. Was a city of a million people, um, but I'd, I'd never even heard of it until Rangers uh, drew them. A city of a million people, really like behind the Iron Curtain type stuff, had not had not moved on uh, in in decades. It was a really like, strange, strange place. Um, one of the, the guys on that trip, who I'll I'll save his I'll save his blushes uh, by naming him. Um, the local uh, PR team decided to take a couple of guys out for a uh, a key sightseeing tour. So well, some of us were at the press conference, some were at the hotel. Um, these guys went out in this case sightseeing to us to go and see like a Kilkenny monument or something. I can't remember where they actually went. So they're sitting on this 
your park bench almost the guys oh we've got some local uh, delicacies for you so this stuff gets put out a bag it's a, a meat of some some description <laughs> i don't think it was your miller and carter's uh, uh, fine steaks um so this this meat comes out and this white fluid comes out that was apparently milk of uh, some description um so everybody had to try it and oh it's great oh thanks very much i really enjoyed it um on the taxi journey back to the hotel uh, where the guys took a allergic reaction to it um and got back to his hotel room came down to see us later on and looked like death warmed up uh really gone eyes popping out his head uh as he took the reaction to the stuff but the the taxi driver windows went open in the, in the taxi it went as really a long long windy way and it's like the taxi taxi journey from hell i wasn't actually in the taxi i only heard about it afterwards thankfully um but it, it got to the stage of to be going for a doctor for this guy just because of the reaction he took to whatever this uh, meat and milk substance actually was um so that's probably one of the more lucky bizarre incidents yeah. but o- overall it had had some trips and had some tips and had some experiences that you'll just never, never forget. And obviously, it was it was great um, result and uh, match aside, uh, Florida Cup under under Murty was probably the, the best one. I think the guys from other papers still speak of uh, Florida Cup in like the okay, holy grail terms. It was just because we were there for 10, 11 days, I think. So uh, obviously cold, cold and wet back home. We didn't get to jet off to Florida for uh, for a couple of weeks. Rangers were good to deal with. Um, played played two games, uh, but work-wise, it's easy. Like time difference made it easy. All your stuff laid on for you in this weekly apartment blog, uh, maybe seven or eight of us, and you just do your stuff. Time difference, phone the desk, you're happy. Job done, out out every night. Go and enjoy the uh, local uh, local night spots. And just, I had a... Just Scott, a stop, your missus may watch us, Chris, so just it's, be it's, careful. It's, it's before I met her, I find. This, 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 this is a long, long time ago, it's fine. Uh, but I just... Just like careering around Florida for uh, for ten days, um, just a just a brilliant one. And the second best one was Villa Moura, uh, pre-season under under Gerard. Mm-hmm. Um, again, Villa Moura, great wee place. Got a hotel rate on the marina. Do your stuff. Rangers good to deal with. Gerard brilliant to deal with. So you've got all, all your stuff. You can write two or three days in advance, and then you then just get the rest of the time to go and uh, uh, go and go. I'd be out down by the marina and go out at night and go for something to eat. And the, the camaraderie on these trips is great. I think, again, people are something that people maybe don't get. The the best times are just sitting, sitting, chilling, chewing the fat, telling stories of previous trips or um, some stories that perhaps more, um, not for a family audience, but some of the some of the key tales of like incidents that guys have got themselves involved in over the years you can pass hours just sitting with a couple of years chewing the uh, chewing the fat and that's what that's what these trips actually uh, provide the uh, the platform to do uh, but villamura stood out um thanks to to chick young because uh, chick had a had a friend um who had a yacht in villamura marina so one of the boys is friendly with chick plays football with them i got a text to say i think we'd see we'd arranged to meet at six o'clock whatever it was i got a text to say are you ready downstairs in two minutes right downstairs walk around the marina and see me check stand in the back of this yacht giving it giving us a wave so end up on this yacht two or three of us and again just sitting beer, uh, beers are flowing um just sitting in, in this, i think it was about three, three four million pounds this this yacht it's like how did a boy think a look ever end up <laughs> on, a, on a three million pound yacht just sitting sun sun's blaring um and ends up out, out for something to eat afterwards and it was just one of these nights that celtic were away I think Celtic maybe in Austria at that time. But they were moving around various different places. So they're in Austria for a couple of days and then Germany for a couple of days and then back to Austria for a game. And the boys are okay, doing a lot of moving around. So also the texts are going between the two respective camps. So how's how's your trip going? It says we've had like one game at the end of it. Brilliant access. Sun's sun's shining. And I'm just sending selfies back. Oh, we're sitting on this yacht. And also the word is then come back for the Celtic trip. I think it was the time they were chasing the David Turnbull. Um, transfer it as well. Oh, well, he won't any field the medical and then all sorts. So they're they're working their arses off to try and to try and fill. And we are sitting in a boat in, in Villamura Marina having three beers all night. And just one of these okay, serial, wise okay, serial nights. What was Chuck Young? Was he working the gig or was he just there on holiday? He was just there on holiday. He was on the on the guy uh, Tommy that owned the on the boat. Chuck's really pally with him. And every every summer they just uh, go to different places on this. On this yacht and on their holidays, and just so happened that it tied in 
they were in Villamura at the at the same time that we were there. That's Chick Young that supports is he a Simon fan, isn't yes, he? Uh, Chick's a Simon fan. <laughs> See, that's just that stuff that you know he was doing what you were doing when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. And he supports that, does he? Aye. Must have some binoculars <laughs> seen seen them for the govern stand, but I digress. Aye, um fascinating stories, Chris, and fascinating times, I think. I think what I've picked up from this chat is your determination. I didn't realise the efforts that you put in to become a journalist in the first place. And that's, I think that's commendable regardless of whatever you, you wanted to do in your life. I think that's a story that um, anybody who wanted to be a football player, a journalist, a space, you can see the space cadet. I've seen a few of them as well. So anybody with any ambitions in life, um, it's, you know, commendable that somebody has some of you that determination and they actually go, and just, you know, saying blag it, but just to show that determination and drive to succeed is uh, was a fantastic um, thing I've learned at this. So, what happens next we, for, for you? What, what is your ambitions? What, what, do you, what do you see? What do you see uh, Chris Jack in 10 years' time? Uh, somebody asked me 10 years ago, where would I have been? <laughs> who? Who knew? I certainly wouldn't have seen myself at a European final and having and, and having a beer in a boat in Villamura, <laughs> or, or or almost witnessing the impromptu death of a of a valued colleague in a yeah. in a Russian city. Uh, it's, it's hard to tell. I think the the good thing about the the move that I made to Rangers Review in the last three four months or so, it's it's a model that we're really confident in. It's a, it's a model that we think will work. A model that we think will give um, fans a a real insight and um, give them a product worth paying for. Uh, it's not a, it's not something that's relied on advertising uh, revenue. It's not a, it's not clickbait to use that phrase from from earlier on. It's a, it's a type of journalism that I've always wanted to do. The type, type of journalism that I mean, you offered me this route into the into the game all those years ago that I always fancied doing. That I, I believe that I would be, I'd be best at. So it's it's something that it's a small team, but something that we're really passionate about. Um, hopefully. It's something that the fans, the fans like, um, and we think it is. It's going to be the future of of uh, Scottish football journalism. Um, so that, that's not to that's not to put down the great work that some of the broadcast guys do. It's certainly not to put down some of the great work that the uh, newspaper guys do, because I say a, a number of them have become uh, really close uh, colleagues and friends over the years. Huge respect for the if the way they do it. Everyone has their own way of working. Everyone has their own editors to answer to. Everyone has their own targets to hit. Um, and again, I think hopefully, as I've outlined, there's not there's not that many guys, if any, that are playing at it. Now we're all hugely invested in it, and if people understand that and they then want to become hugely invested in us, the product will get better. We can then do more, um, and ultimately, we we're asking the questions that the fans want answered. We're we're the conduit between the fan that sits in the stand and the manager that sits in the dugout. Now we're that middle man, um, so hopefully we're putting out type of content that people find interesting hopefully we're asking the questions that people find informative um, and I say if they do great I say the more the more people that sign up the better um, and hope I think that will be the next stage next evolution of Scottish football journalism um, but it's still whether that is the is the future or not and I think it will be and if it is it's it's formed in the old school values because the old school values of one hard work to chapping doors and uh, always answering your phone, always making the phone calls. They're, they're the, the foundations of it. You don't get anything just handy to you. Um, and hope, as hope, hopefully that's going to come through over a, over a chat and hopefully those same core values I've been brought up with. The, the number of guys that I've, I've, I've called colleagues and friends, the number of guys that I've uh, relied on for for help and for inspiration and for a, an arm around the shoulder sometimes, for a kick up the backside at, at others. All, all that has made me the writer and the journalist that I am today. And so hopefully that then um is uh, taken forward into the next into the next few years and, and time will tell what the uh, what the future holds and where the uh, where the game takes me. Mm. No, that's very interesting. And as I said, you know, the podcast and you can sit somebody down, you think the conversation's going to go in a straight line there. It's certainly not it's went like that and it's it's been fascinating for me to listen to. For me that a bit of connection with the press from I didn't, I didn't plan that, you know, what happened to me in 2012. But I now have a sort of more understanding contact with people working in your, your industry. It's been fascinating for me to see in such a short time, 
10 years isn't mm-hmm. a massive amount of time, how much it's changed. And um, it'll be interesting to see where it finishes. And I, and I think there will be casualties. I think there'll be businesses won't do this because it's not, they're not all being switched on enough to say, look, there's a wee bit of niche there. Mm-hmm. So let's, you know, let's not just stand up saying, no, we're the media. These have blended into the, the, the scenery and the landscape that's, that, that, that the world's created for you. And, and that, that's the only way businesses will survive. But there's a lot of good and there's a lot of bad out there. But um, it's been great your time, Chris. I, always, I say to people often that, that time is the probably the best, biggest gift you can give anyone. And you've certainly given me a lot of your time, not just today, but you know since 2012 when I needed um, some people to give me exposure. So I can only thank you for that. And um, best of luck going forward. But Chris, it's been fascinating uh, chat, and thank you very much. No problem at all. In. Have, you, have you enjoyed it? As always, every, every chat we use enjoy going to. And we've had uh, we've had many ones over the years. Yeah. We've had more. Um, I think we've probably had more important ones than this over the years. This has been a nice kind of uh, meander through mm. the uh, life and times of the last fifteen years. But um, you think of some of the things that we've have done over the years, and some of the uh, some of the issues that we've had to we had to. Um, can meet head on. They've certainly been far more important than me telling stories of uh, Russia and um, how I got involved in it. So, uh, no, thanks for again, thanks for all your efforts over the over years and um, everything, everything you've done for me. No problem at all. Great to see you again, and I'm sure we'll speak again <laughs> soon. So, listen, guys, thanks very much for uh, tuning in to the latest uh, podcast, and I hope you've enjoyed it. And just a request that I always will have if, uh, if you've enjoyed the show you've not already please hit the subscribe button if you've enjoyed this particular podcast hit the thumbs up and have a chat put uh, put your comments below tell us if you're enjoying it tell us where you, know, where you want us to go in the future and thanks very much uh, most importantly for um tuning into this goodbye planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.